We know that Jesus prayed often. He prayed before he healed people, before he fed the crowds, and he prayed when he withdrew for private time with God. And probably on more than one occasion, his disciples asked Jesus how to pray, leading him, of course, to give a model for prayer that we know as the Lord's Prayer, a template that we generations of Christians have memorized and uttered for 2,000 years. But never do we actually get to hear Jesus praying in real time, except for this section of John's Gospel. John 17 contains what some have called the high priestly prayer. Not just because Jesus is like a Hebrew high priest praying on behalf of the people, but also because this prayer is like entering the Holy of Holies in the temple. This prayer gives us exclusive, unprecedented access into the very mind and heart of Jesus himself. In this prayer in John 17, we get an unfiltered view of the very soul of our Messiah. So as much as it is important to learn and memorize the Lord's Prayer, we can learn a lot about how to pray and how to live the life that God intends based on this high priestly prayer from John 17. It's a prayer that Jesus offered just hours before he would die, and he knew it. And that explains why one of the dominant themes in this prayer is that Jesus was not praying for himself. He was praying for those he would leave behind after he was gone. I can tell you that one of the most privileged moments in my vocation as a minister is to stand at the bedside of a person who is acknowledging the waning days of their time on earth. Often, our conversation leads to my asking them, how can I pray for you? And inevitably, the answer is always some variation of this. Pray for my family. Pray for my loved ones. Pray that God will take care of them, that they will be okay. Pray for those who will come after me. Think about this. Long before you were born, your ancestors were praying for you as their time on earth drew to a close. Generations of your ancestors, whether you knew them or not, were thinking about you, and they were praying for you. And if that isn't a humbling notion to you, then how about this? Among those ancestors who prayed specifically for you was Jesus himself. In verse 20, Jesus prays aloud, quote, My prayer is not for these disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So in John 17 you can insert your name into this prayer as a person that Jesus was praying for. Jesus was praying for us. Jesus prayed for me and for you. Jesus prayed that you would be protected from those forces that would steer you away from your commitment to God. Jesus prayed that you would have joy in your life and that joy would be made complete in Christ. Jesus prayed that you would have unity with others in the church that you're a part of, Not uniformity, in which you think like everyone else and look like everyone else, and not a union, in which you look out only for yourselves at the expense of the outsider, but unity, in which we hold together a love for God and other people. Imagine that. Jesus prayed for you. So in those moments when you feel like life is too hard, 
when the threats to your faith feel too severe, when joy is hard to come by, and when your disagreements with other Christians, even Christians in this church, seem irreparable, take heart. Jesus prayed for you. The great high priest, who was God himself, just hours before he died, remembered you by name. Let that be an encouragement to you. But let it also be a model for how you should pray. How often do your prayers include the people who will come after you? I know many of us pray for family members. I mean, I pray for my daughters all the time. Many of you pray for your children and grandchildren. But how often do you and I pray for the people in our spiritual family whom we will never meet? and will assume the mantle of the faith that, that we pass on to them long after we are gone. Right now, there is a person in this world who does not yet know Jesus, who may have been harmed in their past by a bad experience with organized religion, and they might come to a saving knowledge of Jesus because of the unique way we talk about God's love here at Hyde Park. You may not meet them. They may not come here until long after we are gone. But will you pray for them? Right now, there's a person in need who is struggling to meet their basic physical needs and to have a, a quality of life in keeping with their basic human dignity. And they might come to have their needs met because of open arms or the work of our missions partners or the ministry of our downtown campus called the Portico. You may not meet them. They may not experience God's love made real until long after we're gone. But they are among our spiritual descendants. So will you pray for them? Right now, there are people who are hurting because of divisions within the church. They feel like the church of Jesus Christ in this country and in the world is too divided over matters of LGBTQ inclusion or political and ideological division or matters of racial and social justice, there are those who are more apt to walk away from the church rather than heed God's will for unity and justice. You may not meet them. They may not give a church like Hyde Park a chance until after you and I are gone. But will you pray for them? These are powerful prayers, friends. And by the way, if you want proof of just how powerful they are, then the only evidence you need is staring back at you in the mirror. Your ancestors prayed these prayers for you. The faithful band of Christians who gathered on this corner in 1899 prayed for you. The generations of faithful people who adapted this church to reach out to new people like you were praying for you. <laughs> and Jesus prayed for you. You are the proof that these prayers were answered. So will you pray for those who will come after you? There's one other thing that Jesus prayed for when he was praying for you by name, and it comes to us in verses 17 to 19. Jesus said, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Jesus prayed that you and I would be sanctified, made holy, day by day, growing closer and closer to the image of God within us. 
You might find it hard to believe that you are capable of being holy. I mean, you might think that your life right now is the furthest thing from the definition of holiness. You'd be more willing to name your imperfections and flaws than you would the possibility of being made holy. But God has not given up on you. And Jesus prayed for you by name that the Holy Spirit would never stop working to make you more and more like Jesus. This is one of the greatest examples of the work of the Trinity in the whole Bible. Jesus, the Son, praying to God, the Father, that the Holy Spirit would work in you to make you more and more in the image of God. God has not given up on you, so you shouldn't give up on yourself. On this Mother's Day, we acknowledge the role and significance of mothers and mother figures in our lives. And on this day, I remember my aunt, Karangalan, one of my father's older sisters, who died a little more than a year ago. I've shared with you that my Auntie Alan was a spiritual rock for me throughout my life. When I think of how Jesus prayed in John 17 for his spiritual descendants, I think of how my aunt prayed for me all throughout her life. When I was going through a particularly hard time years ago, I would often call her first thing in the morning, sometimes six o'clock in the morning, just to hear her counsel. She would always tell me that she was already up for a few hours praying for me. During one particular visit, she gave me a John 17-like view of the mind and heart of her prayer life, an unfiltered and privileged look into the way that my aunt prayed. She showed me a page from her journal. It was dated April 13th, 2017. She showed me this page because she had just been reading a copy of my book, One Faithful Promise, which I had dedicated in part to her. And after reading that section, she wrote this prayer. God of grace and love, Thank you for your constant presence and peace and joy. She underlined joy in my life. Help me to serve you with full willingness and attention and without expectation of blessing in return. Grant me an enjoyment in my prayer life that I might hear your voice and know your heart and understand your will now. And she underlined the word now. Hers was a prayer of sanctification. She was one of the most saintly and loving people I've known. Yet even she was praying that each day she would be made more and more holy in the image of God. In the words of John 17, she prayed, May I be sanctified myself, that those who would come after me would be sanctified. Friends, we are all spiritual descendants, inheriting the legacy of faith from those who have come before us. They prayed for us that we might be made more holy. So let us live into their example as an answer to their prayers. And may all who come after us be made holy by the grace of God. Let's pray together. God, thank you for Jesus and the way he prayed for us. Thank you for all the faithful persons who prayed for us generations ago. And now call us to prayer for those who would come after us. For those who don't know Jesus and don't know your love, for those who've been harmed by unhealthy religion, for those who are struggling with physical and emotional needs, those whom this church will reach long after we are gone, 
and may we be one, united together, beyond our differences of background or opinion, to make your love real. In Jesus' name, amen.